0: Guys, I think we're singing this today.
1: How are you? Whoops.
2: Jesus loves me. Let's go. On the count of three, good morning. Super loud.
1: the dirt and the mud that gets all covered up reminds me of a time scared and so lost. But the one who paid the cost offered me a chance for him to take control. Snow, snow. Love and mercy came down. Amazing grace how sweet the sound Jesus' blood washed my sin as white as snow. If you moved all the snow, raised it back into the sky, all the dirt and the mud would still show. Snow, snow. But the stain that was in me is no longer there to see. Praise His name, I've been made as white as snow. My soul is saved, I know, all my sins
0: have been made as white as snow, 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 Appreciate being here and we appreciate that song that winds up exactly with what our thoughts were when you pull out and see a nice fresh blanket of snow covering up a field. Telling my wife, I, I, I know there's something buried down there, but you can't even tell it's there. And, and the last verse is just the difference between the snow and the Lord is when the snow's gone, I'm just as white as I was when it was before. So I appreciate being here. And, uh, Dad,
2: you want to dismiss us in prayer?
0: you want to teach, Aunt?
1: <laughs>
0: I'll be happy to hand it over. We're glad to be here, thankful for everybody that's come this way. Good uh, crisp morning. And uh, so we're continuing in this series of lessons. Uh, that the, the Sunday School uh, lesson company You know, they provide these books and these lessons for us. And we've been in a series of lessons called, and, you know, called for what purpose? And so this week, the lesson is called to testify. Great lesson, very familiar scripture. We're going to be going over and talking about uh, maybe, I'll say one of the most famous encounters that Christ had, the woman at the well. So if you say that, I think everybody has, you know, at least some knowledge of what that's about. And uh, so, and we're going to be focusing on really the second part of this exchange between Christ. And then, so Christ testifies to this woman, and there's an exchange there, but then she goes and testifies to the people in the town, and there's an exchange there. So we want to look at both of those. So we're going to be in the fourth chapter of John is where uh, this is laid out. Uh, So we're going to start there for just a minute. I'm going to move around a few different places, Uh, may go there and read some of those scriptures. But I want to start with the third verse. This is actually not part of the lesson. The lesson starts down about verse 25, and I desire your prayers. And as always, uh, your comments are uh, more than welcome. But talking about Jesus, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. Okay. So I haven't been there. I know mom and dad have, Kenny has, but I go and I, I, I look at maps when I start reading these things to see what, what's the journey, you know, where's this at? And, uh, I want to, Give a shout-out to Brother Ronnie. He sent me a a note a couple of weeks ago, and, man, I appreciated it so much. I'm going to frame it, actually. But Brother Ronnie taught me Sunday school when I was just a a young boy, and he went through the Ws, the where, when, who. I mean, you can name all those, why. Um, And so it's always important to know where. So he left Judea and departed again unto Galilee. So that's what's going on, and that kind of is part of the backdrop for this. So what, what is that exactly? Well, if you look at a map, um, I, and I'll try to use kind of some areas, and this won't be to scale, but hopefully it'll explain it. If we were in Wapak, everybody knows where Wapak is, and we were going to come to Lima, we would have to travel north, and that's the direction Christ was going. So look at it this way. Put the Jordan River off on, on one side of this and put the Mediterranean Sea off on the other and all it leaves is we've got to come right through Critersville in order to get here. Okay, that's, that's where Christ was at. He was in Judea and he was going to Galilee and the Jordan River is on one side and the Mediterranean Sea is on the other and the, the only direct path to get back to Galilee was to go right smack dab through Samaria, all right? So that's what this says. He left Judea and departed to get into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. The way to go was through Samaria, all right? Now, he could have went over to the sea or went, but I mean, that was the the only direct path. So we start there. So, of course, this woman we all know uh, at the well is a woman of Samaria. So who is this exactly? And when you start looking into this, it it gets really exciting to me. This encounter is so famous because of what happened and the the reaction. But this is one of the most unlikely encounters and results that you may find. It's just about like God reaching down to me as a five-year-old boy and saving me. To me, that's just an unlikely encounter. I didn't deserve it. It was all him. But this encounter, when you look at the, at the relationship between the Samaritans and the Jews, and it had been going on for hundreds of years, this is just not something that's likely to happen. So if you want to, you can, you can flip back. But I'm going to read out of the fourth chapter of the book of Ezra, and I've got this scripture here, if I can uh, pull it up real quick. So why is this important? Well, the, the children of Israel had been taken captive, and they were in Babylon. And the king Cyrus had told some of them they could go back and rebuild their temple. And this is the exchange that takes place when they get back home after they've been in captivity, lo and behold, they find that there are Samaritans that are living in and around where that they had inhabited. Um, and so they have this exchange. Now, when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin, in other words, the children of Israel, heard that the children of the captivity builded the temple unto the Lord God of Israel, so Children of Israel, some of them, a remnant, are let go, and they're going to go back home, and they're going to rebuild their temple. And the Samaritans hear about this, and they come down and have a conversation with them. Then they came to Zerubbabel and to the chief of the fathers and said unto them, Let us build with you. Listen to how great this is. For we seek your God as you do, and we do sacrifice unto him since the days of, of Esarhaddon, king of Assyria, which brought us up hither. So, isn't this great? They're on this. They're they're going back here. They're going to re- Now, you've got to understand that in order to really worship properly, they've got to have this temple. Okay. I mean, so this is really important. This is God really directing them. This needs to be done. He's made a way for them. They get down there, and lo and behold, they got some help that shows up and says, "Hey." Praise the Lord, we're here to help. What do you think? Sounds good. All right? When I was reading this, I'm glad Lee's back there because he said something the other week when he was preaching. and I thought, Man, how many times have I been there? And he said, I'll be at work sometimes, just going about my day, and somebody runs up and says, hey, we need you to pray for this and pray for us, and this over here, and this is going on, and this terrible thing has happened. And he said, it's hard sometimes to get in a spot to pray for that, because everybody wants to say, I'm a Christian, and they want to wave a little flag that says, I'm a Christian, but then, you know, on Friday night, you hear them talking, and they're headed this direction, and that direction, and you hear their talk, and you see their walk, and it just doesn't evidence anything about God, all right. That's the Samaritans here, folks, all right. If you read back up in the first part of that, it said that their adversaries, the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin. In other words, they were the they they came down saying, "We're seeking the same God you are." You ever run into somebody like that? And says, "Praise the Lord." and it just feels like somebody threw a bucket of cold water on you because there's a spirit in it, but it isn't the right spirit. That's the Samaritans here. Okay, Praise the Lord. We're down here to help. We're, let us join right in and help you. All right. A couple weeks ago when I was uh, teaching, I said, if you live right in front of people, it will convict them. They'll either get right, or your life will be a will be a. It'll make them feel uncomfortable if if you're living right. If people are around you all the time, and I think that's exactly what happened here. So what, Zerubbabel, and and the rest of the folks said, we we want nothing to do with you folks. You know, get on out of here. We don't want anything to do with you. We're gonna we're gonna build the temple. We're worshiping now. If the Samaritans had come correctly, and they didn't, but if they had come correctly and their hearts were really right and they wanted to get right with God and join in this work, I think the the Israelites would have said, hey, thank goodness, but they didn't. All right. Just because somebody says the right thing doesn't mean that their intentions are the right intentions. And the Samaritans here are a great example of that. So from this point... And this is about, best I can tell, about 525 B.C. So this is about 525 or 550 years before this encounter that we're going to have and talk about here with Christ and the woman at the well. There had been uh, the Jews and the Samaritans, they were enemies, all right? I mean, they weren't necessarily always right at, at war at each other's neck, but they didn't like each other, all right? It's like that, that guy across the street that you don't really get along with, you know. You, you, I mean, you just don't want to have really have anything to do with him. And, and the scripture here even, the woman even says, why are you asking me a drink? Jews and Samaritans don't have anything, they don't have any. So that's, you know, Christ is a Jew, and this woman's a Samaritan, and they really don't get along. There's some other differences here, and I, I think it's important to touch on them. So the Samaritans were a religious people. And they claimed that they believed in the same God. They claimed the first five books of the Bible, and that was it. All right? That's what they believed in. They had a mountain, and we'll talk about this here in a minute, but they had a mountain there called, uh, let me see if I can find it, oh, Gerizim, Mount Gerizim, which is, it's right here at, at this well. I mean, and they're looking right at it. And that's where they thought, boy, that's where we should worship, well, the Jews looked back to, to Jerusalem. I mean, they were, they were looking back to the holy place where they needed to worship because that's at that point under the law, that's where they were supposed to be worshiping. But Christ talks about all of that. But there were some religious differences that were pretty significant between the Jews and the Samaritans. So uh, all the way back when they started building the temple, there's this difference. Okay, so that's the backdrop for where we really get started. So I'd like to then move chapter 4. I'd like to look at verse 20, and I want to talk about some of these differences, and we'll kind of read from there at least as far as we can and try to get down through 42. Anybody have any comments uh, as we move into this? Okay, one other thing as I get started here. I want you to think about this. What are your feelings about the woman's water pot? Okay. Don't answer me right now, but we'll we'll get down to it. Is it significant? The woman's water pot. Good, bad, indifferent? Something we can talk about. So verse 20. So this is the woman, and she's speaking to Jesus here, the woman at the well. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. So she's talking about Mount Gerizim. And ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. So they're having this conversation and he's talking to her and it's been going on for a few minutes here and she's saying, well, our religion is different. You, You Jews believe one way and us Samaritans believe another and we got different religion. You ever talk to somebody or try to talk to somebody and they say, eh, that ain't the way they teach it at my church. Or, my Bible don't say it exactly like that. You know, I mean, common roadblocks. If you're going to testify to people, you've got to expect, and, and in your mind, you've got to understand that people are going to have a lot of the same responses that this lady had here. They're going to say, yep, that's not the way they teach it at my church. We don't believe it quite like that. My Bible doesn't read just like that. So let's see what Jesus says. Jesus saith unto her. This is verse 21. Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. He's saying, he's telling her, and I don't know if she understood it, but he's saying the law is getting ready to be completed. And looking toward Jerusalem or looking toward Mount Gerizim isn't the important factor anymore, okay? Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worship worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, and the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. He's saying the things under that levitical law that we've been required to do i'm getting ready to satisfy all of that there's a there's a different way we're not under the law anymore but we need to we need to have a knowledge you know uh, i was trying to remember where the scripture's at and i don't remember it right off the top of my head maybe it's first john but it says always be ready to give an account when somebody asks you be ready have something to tell them now you got to have the spirit i mean God's spirit, if you really do any good, it has to have God's spirit in it. But we should always have something that we're ready to tell them. So any comments on that so far? Okay, so that gets us here to where uh, the lesson starts that was laid out in the book. Uh, And so that's verse 25. Uh, The woman said unto him, I know the Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he has come, he will tell us all things. So pretty interesting. She's been taught some things. I mean, most people that you'll talk to know something about Jesus. Not all of them, but most of them do. Uh, And she's saying, well, I know that there's, you know, there's the Messiah coming. We're going to call him Christ I'd never really paid a whole lot of attention to it before until studying this lesson this time. But the thing that she was really looking for in the Messiah and how she was going to identify the Messiah, he will tell us all things. That's what the Samaritans as a group, they talked about the Messiah. And when they talked about it, what was important to them was he's going to reveal things. He's going to tell us and we're going to know you know, what's been going on. So to her, the Messiah telling her all things was what was important. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak to thee am he. Wow. What do you think her thought was when she's saying, well, I know there's a Messiah coming and he's going to tell us everything. What do you think her thoughts were at that point? I mean, I think of me as a young boy, and I mentioned that earlier, but sitting in the church and I'd heard about Jesus in Sunday school and I'd heard the church preach and teach about Jesus, and I believed that generally. I knew that that was, I mean, if you asked me, I said, yeah, you know, Jesus died on a cross and he got up. I knew that. But there was a particular time when he reached down and it became very real to me. And I think this is that time for that woman. I mean, I think Jesus looked right at her and said, I'm the guy. You're you know, you're talking to him. So so now verse 27 is important, but it really is explaining some things that are happening. So I want to jump to verse 28 for just a minute and then we'll, we'll come back to, to verse 27. So verse 26, Jesus saith unto her, I that speak to thee am he. So what does the woman do? Verse 28, the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, and, and we'll go on from there. But when he said that to her, now verse 27 is talking about what the disciples are doing. They're kind of walking up and having a conversation at this point. But Jesus said, I'm him. What does she do? She gets up, leaves her water pot that she had brought there to the well to draw, and goes into the city. All right? So back to the water pot. What do you think about the water pot? Certainly. Valuable. I agree with you. That was one of the things I had written down. I mean, you can't get water. I mean, Christ is sitting there, Doesn't have a water pot, can't draw any water out of that well without a pot. Um, So that's a valuable tool. What else? She depended on that, absolutely. Right. If you back up it back about up, they had a discussion of what yeah. was concerning her
2: and things that she didn't know and he told her the answer to all of them. Yeah. And I think with that verse right there is probably the most important one. I know that the Messiah cometh. She she knows That's good darling. now. Uh, that little word there is puts it in the present, puts him uh, in her mind as not
0: someone that's going to come, but he is come. All right. So you guys know the scripture, lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset you, or beset us. Okay, let us lay I think it says let us lay aside. All right. Well, the water pot's not a sin. Okay, I don't see anything sinful in the water pot, but I do think that for her it's a weight at the point here where Christ says, "I'm him." All right? And Dolly hit it hit the nail right on the head. She all of a sudden has something completely different in her mind that she needs to be doing other than coming out here to the well filling up the pot with some water and taking it back. I mean, that's where she started. She was taking that water, so, I mean, it had a purpose, but now all of a sudden there's something that's much more important to her than that, that water pot, all right? So it's it's about, I mean, it's certainly valuable, and she had a chore that she was doing. There may have been somebody someplace waiting on that water, but so much more important, all right? Remember, the title of this lesson, Called to Testify, all right. So there's another scripture that says we know that we have passed from death unto life because, why, we love the brethren. All right, Her mind, I think there's a salvation experience just like Dali spells it out. Her mind here goes from thinking about this water and the natural water and the pot to she's born again and she starts thinking this is the messiah he's sitting right here by jacob's well or on jacob's well i've got this this little town back over here which i think was about a half a mile i've got these friends and these people that i know over here they need to come meet this same person all right that that's where her heart turns to so I don't have any doubt that she had a salvation experience. All the evidence is there. I mean, she has this conversation, he says it's me, and as soon as he says it, I think she is convinced of it, and she heads into town to tell her friends and her acquaintances you know, and we'll see what what she tells them but. Uh,
2: <laughs> Yeah. will tell, tell us all things. Not only when I was under conviction did I realize I was a sinner. But since I've been saved every time I've stood and maybe sinned or done something, His Spirit tells me all things that I'm doing. Yeah. I'm doing something wrong.
0: So let's back up here and we'll grab verse 27 because it is important. So this is right after Jesus says, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seeketh thou? or Why talketh thou with her? So, give you my thought on that. And I think they came up and they saw that there was something important going on here. Now, keep in mind, the disciples, they'd been traveling all day, all right? Uh, I don't know how far they had traveled that day, but they'd been walking. It's hot. Uh, It's it's early summer, so it's hot there. And they get here. Jesus sends them into the town to get something to eat, and they come back. And he's here talking with this person that they're probably wondering, why is he talking with her? All right. Um, But they didn't say anything. And and I will just tell you what that means to me. There are times when I would like to say something Sometimes at church, real good service, and, you know, somebody else, maybe the Wilders or somebody are singing, and, man, it's really moving, the preacher preaches, people are coming. I can, you know, I can pray uh, for the people that are coming, but God doesn't give me a testimony or a song at that particular moment. Not my time, somebody else's time, all right? Just as important to know when not to as to know when to. All right. And so there are times where it's just not my time. That door's shut. If they had chimed in, you know, say Peter comes up and thinks, Well, help the Lord out here, and chimes in, detrimental to the conversation. Now, I'll tell again on myself I, don't, I haven't done it in a long time that I can think of, but I can think of sometimes when I was a young Christian and maybe prayer service was moving a little slow or, you know, things, and I'd think, hmm, I'm going to help the Lord out here. I'm going to, you know, so I'd stand up and, you know, say something. uh, Good intention. I don't think I said anything wrong, but, you know, it just goes, you know. Ever ever felt that? Ever done that? I mean, I've done it. I've seen other, you know, young Christians do it. so we've got to know, and I heard Brother Denny tell some of the young preachers this years ago, he said, it's important to know when to get up, and it's just as important to know when to sit down, you know, so same, same thought, thought here. Any, any comments on that before we move on? Oh, yeah. Yep. There are times, and we're going to get to where she's got a time right here, and it was definitely her time. But there are times when God opens that door. Now, for Christ, you know, the door was open, and he had this opportunity to speak with her. But if he had sat there, and obviously he, he's not going to do that, it's, you know, he's Christ. But for us, I mean, unfortunately, I've probably had some of those where I'm sitting there, and there's somebody that, you know, maybe. Had a heart that would have heard what I had to say, and I didn't say a thing. How sad is that? So, uh, but great point. I mean, so, verse 29. So, in verse 28, the woman then left her water pot. And went her way into the city, and saith to the men. So again, I think she does, and that's I've, I got it written down here. It's Hebrews twelve one. Lay aside the weight and every sin that doth so easily beset us. I think she laid aside the sin. I think she believed in in Christ, and I think she. I think <laughs> that water pot was a weight. You know, if she had picked that up and carried that back home and done what she was going to do. Some of the people that she went and testified to in the street of the city would not have been there when she got there. All right? Some of them wouldn't have been. Or some of them that were there, it may just not have been the right time. So, But here's what she says. Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Pretty simple testimony. You know, it always... Is a blessing to me when some young person comes up and gets saved, and they stand up and sometimes with tears and sometimes with a smile, or sometimes both. Dad will say, What do you got to say? And they say, I got saved. You know. And man, that resonates. Here's this person that's that's just been my brother or my sister for a few minutes, and they're, you know, it's powerful. And you think, Wow, you know. But it's, it's, the, it's God. It's, so here's this woman that's just been saved, had salvation for a few minutes, and she's saying, come. It's the Christ. He's out here by Jacob's well. Come and see him. All right. So what happens? And they went out of the city and came unto him. So there were some, it doesn't say how many, but there were some that came. Now, were there some that didn't? Go with her. Well, i got to believe there were some that didn't. It doesn't say that. My experience has been, if I really feel like it and am able to invite, you know, ten people to church, one or two of them may come, and a handful of them will say, yeah, maybe sometime, and and don't. And a few of them say, no, I probably won't. You know, um... So I got to think there were some that stayed in the city, but there were some that came out. So, uh, you know, the testimony that we give doesn't have to be great words, doesn't have to be some great speech. What's the most important thing about the testimony that, that we give to people? What do you think? I mean we obviously have to be saved i mean we have to have a relationship with christ really to have a testimony but after that the most important thing is god's spirit moving through that okay uh, i believe as she was telling these people that uh, god's spirit was moving in that now we all know the backstory about this woman and christ shares it earlier in in john Her life was not a shining example of how to live your life. She had had five husbands and was in a relationship with another man at this point. So not a great, you know, testimony from how she'd been walking. But still yet, she, God moved in her and she had, was willing. And she gets some group of people to come out and talk to Christ And and see him at the well. So, I mean, that's pretty exciting. Does our life matter? Yeah, it does matter. If I don't live in a good fashion, I'm going to have a lot less influence on people that I ask to come to church. But this is an example that even in that spot, you know, she just was saved. Come see this Messiah. He's told me everything about me. This is an example. If we follow God... What he can do. And I said a couple of weeks ago, I have doubts. And my doubts are about me. They're not about God. My doubts all land right here. I know God can and I know he will if it's his will. But I, my doubts are here. But what a great point that I think it is, this person that had been living such a rough you know, example, but still people are willing to listen to her and come come meet Christ. Any comments before we move on? I
2: don't know the answer to it, so this i asking. Uh, I don't think that that she's making a statement that this is not the cross or that she has any question about it. I think it's a question she's given to the people
0: she's testifying to. Oh, I agree, yeah. I think it's, it'd be an example like saying, "Hey, I believed. Will you come and believe? I mean, it, you know, or will, will you come and go to church with me? I got saved at church. Will you come and go with me? You gotta, you gotta come experience this. So, but it's, it's a good point. So, yeah, she's. Go ahead.
1: I, I, maybe this kind of relate to
0: it. Uh, if you'd say to somebody today, "Look at that sunshine. Is not this a beautiful day? Yeah. yeah. Right." We're about to run out of time, and I'm sorry that we didn't get through more of this. But there's a couple more points that I want to make and a couple things I'll leave you with, and then we'll come to a close. Thank you for all of your comments and and your prayers. Um, So let's hop over to verse 35. I just want to make this point. In verse 35, Christ is telling his disciples that there's a harvest ready to be reaped. And he says, And look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And then if you jump down to verse 40, so when the Samaritans were come unto him, because a group of them did come out to Christ, okay, I really think, and it's kind of similar to where verse 27, chronologically what's happening, John's writing it, and then he kind of almost puts a couple of things in parentheses here, if you're reading it that way, and says, okay, these things are going on at the same time, And then you get back to the chronological what's taking place. So they're sitting there by the well. And what I think happened, I think Christ is saying to his disciples, the harvest is ready. Look at the fields. They're ready to harvest. And I think as he's saying that, I think he's saying, look at the fields. And at that same time, these Samaritans are coming out to the well from this little town that they're in there. All right. I think verse 35 and verse 40, it's probably happening at the same time or within just a few seconds. I think his disciples were astonished. I don't really think they they, they got there right at the end of the conversation with the woman. She left her pot. They're asking him about eating and some other things. I don't think it registered with them that she left her pot and was going into the city to encourage the people to come out and meet Christ. all right? But he knew it. He knew what was happening. And I think he's saying, look, the fields are ready to harvest. Let's get busy. Let's, let's, you know, let's talk to these people. And I think right as he's saying that, they look and here they come out of the little town of Sychar or Sychar. here they come i think the disciples they had to be astonished i mean it was almost like pitch your nets over the other side and the nets all break after they'd fished all night and there was nothing our timing will be wrong if we don't wait on christ but if we wait on him and move when he says move then the blessings that he gives us will be overwhelming um
1: To this?
0: Right, and you know i'm you know you've been around me bill when i've got real hungry and my wife has said i'm hangry so i mean i don't know how long they've been walking and how long they've been without something to eat but i know they were probably tired and hungry um, so you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna get on them too much but um One last point I want to make on this, verse 42, and these were the people from Samaria, and said unto the woman, now we believe not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. So her testimony, hugely important, got them from where they were at to Christ, Then they heard Christ speak to them, and even if they believed in their head, hey, that that sounds like that's the Messiah over there when she testified to them. When they got down there and heard Christ speak himself, then they got saved. They really believed it. Same thing as me going to one of my neighbors and saying, hey, we've got a good church. You need to come over here and go to church with me and, and hear about Christ. And they say, yeah, I believe in Christ. I'll come over there and go to church with you. That sounds good. They come, and God convicts them, and they come forward and get saved, and they say, you know, yeah, you kind of steered me the right way. I've used this example before, but I really think it's right. If we're doing our job, we'll be like that lit-up sign out in front of a concert or some event that says, event, this way, and we'll just be pointing the way to Christ. That's really If we're doing our job,